0: How many are you looking forward to this year? Hey? Yeah? How many wish you were looking forward to it? <laughs> <laughs> we know we should have a sense of hope and optimism, but we trust in God for some wonderful things. Um, have you ever tried something new? Hmm? Have you ever tried something new? Hey? Yeah? yeah. I remember when I was in, I think, grade, well, you call it standards in sub A, sub A, hey? what's that now, grade one, is that correct? Yeah? Hey? Uh, How many of you come from the the, the era of standards? Most of you should be coming to that 60s plus event happening uh, in a a few weeks. Uh, I remember I was in in Sub-A at Dale College. You know where Dale College is? King Williamson, I think I call it now, something like that. Is that right? Something like that. And uh, they took one look at me and put a little triangle that said, we think you'll do well with percussion. And for a year, I played percussion with a triangle and a little silver thing at a tap, you know? But they took it away from me after a year. <laughs> Rodney, I'm oh, sorry, Rodney, I, I would have been able to be uh, with you in the team because he's one of the best drummers in the city. But, uh, um, and then a little later in, in my life, um, I, I, was, I was in uh, Cubs. How many of you, you know, Cubs and Scouts? Do you remember that, that movement? Yeah. So I was about 11 at the time, and uh, they decided to put on a production with uh, Hawaiian dancing girls. And we were all boys because of cubs. So I was dressed up with a skirt uh, as a Hawaiian dancing girl and I had to do ballet. I, I learned to do the, the butterfly. I've never forgotten the butterfly. I feel so inspired that I managed to pull off the... I did, I'm telling you. Are <laughs> oh, you envious? <laughs> okay, I'll try. But I mean, I don't think I'm going to get right. It's, it's about 60 years ago or something like that. But it's something that uh, you, you, you move up towards it and then you... Oh, oh. Sorry I pulled a muscle, yeah. <laughs> but um <laughs> that ain't lasted for one production. <laughs> and then in standard uh, no, standard standard six which is grade. Grade eight, thank you, upper sixties. Uh, grade eight, um they they listened to my voice and they put a trumpet in my mouth instead. So <laughs> I learned to play trumpet, uh, and uh, I still have a trumpet. I'm waiting for one of my grandchildren to rise up and say, "Grandpa, I'll do that thing." But there's trumpets in my garage, waiting for one of them still. Uh, anyway, um, and I did play for some bands uh, in the city. That was uh, uh, was that Prince Alfred's Guards. I remember saying on top of I think at the Ackerman's Building in Governor Becky Avenue back in the days when it was still called Main Street. Do you remember that, Keith? Main Street. And uh, we played when they were opening a new store. We played on top. Seven of us trumpeters played on top to herald the beginning of a new commercial venture in Governor Becker's Main Street. So we've had some fun as we've grown. How many, how many know that to grow means you've got to step out of where you were, out of your comfort zone, into new zones? Yeah. Huh? You don't get to the new thing unless you're prepared to let go of the old. Cameron was in my office yesterday and so he saw a book. Uh, which is entitled Necessary Endings. Says, yeah, I need to borrow that book. I'm not sure what he wants to end, but he's borrowed the book Necessary Endings, but it's a good title because there are some things if you want to say yes to the new, you've got to ha- declare a necessary ending to some old things, eh? Get your Bibles out. Go with me to, to um, uh, what scripture was it? <laughs> Galatians 6 verse 15. I want to just... We are doing a study in Galatians 6 currently on freedom, and today I've entitled Freedom to Change, Galatians 6, 15. Uh, one of the concluding passages in this, in this uh, um, exposition of the gospel that Paul brings out, and he says, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but what counts is a new creation. It's not how subservient to the law you were, or how licentious you were in ignoring the law. What really counts is actually this new creation, what we're becoming in Christ. It's not the previous verse is all about the argument, should we do this, should we do that? It's, it's not about getting it right. It's about being righteous before God because of Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I want to say to you, if you love Jesus, none of you that are sitting here today will be the same a week from now. Because he says, behold, I make all things new. He's renewing us on an ongoing basis. Sometimes we can't say amen to that. Sometimes we've got to say no, because the changes are tumultuous and they pull on us and they challenge us very, very deeply. But I want to unpack a little bit of that with you. So last week... um, well, two weeks ago, we looked at Galatians 5 um, as my part in this freedom series um, after the other two David spoke before me, and uh, we talked about some of the signs of this freedom. What does it look like? And then last week, we looked at, um, at a particular uh, section of Galatians 6, we, how this comes about, um, this freedom that uh, uh, God has planned for us, um, that is rooted in, in an intimacy with Him, you know, that save us from isolation. And it's all about because the opening word of Galatians, Galatians 6, 1 is brothers. So if I'd just like to recap a little bit of that for those who who, who weren't here over the last few weeks, just for a few moments, just a brief recap. <clears throat> and, the, and the first thing I want to say is um, we, we looked at Peter, and Peter as he quested a new start in God, he, he was looking for, for a new day. He didn't want the same old, same old. But he, he had his own stuff on, him's, on his lifestyle that made it difficult for him to, to really embrace the new. So Peter got saved many times, if I can put it like that. How many feel like that's happened to you, huh? Yeah, you get saved again, and then again, and again. And, and there are, it's like layers of the onion as we unpack the new that God is leading us to. But there was a particular time in Peter's life, remember, when he was being challenged, as Jesus prophesied he would be. And he would, be, he would be challenged three times, and three times he denied Jesus. And those three are very important to, to think about. The first was a challenge on Peter, that he had been with Jesus. And he said, I, I don't know him. He denied his intimacy with Jesus, his knowledge of Jesus. That's the first thing. And Jesus, not just as the Messiah, but as his leader. And that's quite an important thing to, for us to grasp. He wasn't just denying Jesus as the Messiah, but as the leader of this pact. You, weren't you one of them was the kind of question. And you, Weren't you with him? And, and when there's a, when there's a, a, a distinction of, uh, of, of disdain towards leadership, uh, we must work that out as quickly and as deeply and as authentically as we can because it could lead us, like it did for Peter, down a dangerous path. Because the next thing that happened when you said, w- weren't you also one of them? He said, I'm not. So he denied the fellowship. It's this next thing that happens. And that happens to us too. When you fall out of sorts with leaders, it's easy to deny the people that they lead. And you start absenting yourself and developing your own thing. And that's why Jesus prayed so sincerely, the latter part of his ministry, for unity amongst his people. He said, Father, this is so important. Make them one, even as I am one. It's not to say that leaders are perfect. eh? Leaders make mistakes. Peter made many mistakes, and Jesus didn't give up on him. Jesus knew what was going to come, but he still kept him in leadership. So he stayed teachable and, and questing the truth. Um, and, and the third thing he was challenged about, um, you know, aren't you one of them, the, the Galileans? Uh, and he said, I am not. I don't know what you're talking about was what he said. I don't know what you're talking about. He denied the entire faith. He denied the, the values and principles of, of this faith that was being pro- proclaimed. A- and he, as a result of that, he, uh, he he found himself falling. And there are times when we might find ourselves in similar situations, being quite challenged and not knowing quite how to respond. If I can just speak vulnerably about myself, uh, these are challenging days, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. And I'm sure... And you've got your own set of challenges. The other morning I wake up, as is my practice to wake up here, yeah. but, but to start my day with giving thanks to God. So I get, get up my journal and I say, okay, here's the date. So what am I grateful for today? That particular day, all, and sometimes I, I do like between, between 3 and 4 in the morning because that's the time I'm, I won't be disturbed and, I can, and I'm not able to sleep at that time. So I'll go back to bed perhaps, but I woke up and I said, Lord, what am I grateful for today? And I sat there thinking, well, all I can actually say today is, Lord, I thank you that I can bring my, my tensions to you. And I thanked him for that. And he said, and he said to me, so what are they? And I listed 12 things, each of them had five subpoints, points, if, if you know what I'm saying. And I said, Lord, that's what I'm thankful for. I can give this all back to you. And try to live in that place. I was saying, Lord, I'm leaning on you. Cross, 1 Peter 5, 7, cross all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. Amen. You haven't got that in your heart yet. Tuck it up, put it on your fridge and get it into your heart. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxieties in because he, you, as J.B. Phillips' translation says, you are his personal concern. Don't you love that translation? So that's a little bit of a recap there. And then we did conclude last week by saying what we mustn't do when we are struggling with, with um, brokenness in our lives and sin is we mustn't hide like they did in Genesis 3. They hid away under fig leaves and whatever, Uh, and we mustn't blame shift, you might remember that, Uh, own it, mustn't minimize, don't play it down, it is something that offended God, and thirdly, don't use shame, God quickly covered their nakedness and their shame, he quickly got some animal skins, and and made them skin clothing, um, and brought that to them, so uh, we also took a quick look at John 8, remember the woman caught in the act of adultery, Uh, remember the story of John 8, 1 through 11, and how the heart of that story wasn't the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day's concern about the fallen woman. It was more about how to trap Jesus. Because verse 5 actually specifically says that. You can look at John 8, 5. They did this to see if they could trap him. Because the Torah said if somebody is caught in such a thing, he should be stoned. Uh, and the Roman law forbade the Jewish people to exercise capital punishment. So either way, Jesus was going to be trapped by these Pharisees. So what did he do? Two things. One is he took his time. He didn't have a knee-jerk reaction. He he took it slowly, eh? and he knelt down, doodled on the ground, and uh, gave time for this, for the emotion of the moment to settle, and, and then he, he pronounced on it. And he pronounced with a question. He said, "He's without sin. Throw the first stone." He's upholding the law, but putting mercy and grace and integrity above it. And these are weightier matters. He taught there in Matthew twenty-three, weightier matters. And you put that, held in right up there. And then, of course, it says, in the beginning at the oldest, it started to move away. Hey? Somehow when you get older, you know there's no place to hide. You've got, you got to come out of it. You're a banger. Hey? Think about it. When you're young, you think, i still be years ahead of me. I can dodge this thing. I can duck it. But as you get older, you, you, you realize, yeah, nope. Well, some people say, it's because you're getting ready for your finals. You better get honest, you know. <laughs> Either way. But the truth is that... Um, they were out to, to. They were actually putting leadership on the line, not a sincere quest for restoration. And so Galatians 6, 1 says, brothers, do this together, brothers. If anyone is caught in a sin, restore such a one gently. Let the focus be on restoration. Restoration. So let's go back to Galatians 6, if you've got your Bibles there. Go, go with me and pick up from verse 6 of Galatians 6. Anyone who receives instruction in the Word must share all good things with his instructor, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked, a man reaps what he sows, the one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction, the one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up, therefore as we have opportunity let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, there are at least two applications in in Paul's mind as he wrote this, at least two thoughts probably running through his mind. One was based on the preceding verses where he's speaking about someone falling and how you restore and what our response should be, where you start with bearing one another's burdens, verse 2. But you end in verse 5, each one taking responsibility. Each one should carry his own load, and you've got to journey with each other from the one to the other. So you start with that, and you help it be safe enough with grace so that truth can be owned and change can come, because truth sets us free. So important. So important. Um, And then by the time he gets down to this verse 6 onwards, he's probably got that the back of his mind still. So the one is a moral application. And the other is a monetary application. So I'd like to look at both. W- if we're looking at it from one point of view, if you're, if you're thinking about morality that is that is at risk, how do we restore that? If you're thinking about guidelines for, for money, so we're not caught by, by mammon issues, how do we how do we manage that? So let's, let's open up on, on both sides and try and figure this out. Um, <coughs> so... Um, so the first verse six, he says, anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Paul is not fundraising here; uh, he's actually he's actually saying, make sure you have a right relationship with leadership. It's, it's the upfront thing; is what he's he's he's, he's uh, uh, looking at you. This is a core factor in restoration, um, uh, and it's amazing to me how I'm doing a lot of meditation with a couple of people on. Uh, on Moses, how God took his time in shaping the life of that man. Only in due season was he ready to go and tell Pharaoh. He had just to still be in solitude and process many things until he could come to his burning bush barefoot in humility and vulnerability and actually begin to hear God and, and, and go back to Pharaoh and start the warfare on behalf of Israel, get them free with all the frogs and Blood, water turned to blood and all the, those plagues, and finally they were set free and able to move on. But Moses could not lead until he allowed himself to be led. And, and he, his, own, um, his own integrity before God was vital. And I think verse 6 is actually saying we need to be have as a leadership and as a people towards leadership have that understanding. Of course, on a monetary application, it does speak of making sure we, we indicate our support for leaders in very tangible ways. Uh, And I I want to echo um, Philippians 4, Um, verse 14 onwards, Paul is writing about this, I think in verse 17 he actually says, um, um, he's writing about the support he's received, he says, I didn't ask for the support for my sake, I wanted it for your sake, because it's good for you to be giving. It's good for you to be acknowledging leaders, not that the leaders need to be stroked by your acknowledgement, but it it enhances the peace, it enhances the relationship when there is that, that togetherness. It's a very important application. Um, so, it's and he says, this, this would accrue to your benefit if you were to be giving. But he says, actually, I've received enough. So, thank you for that. But the reason I, get, I, I announced this call in, in, in Philippians 4, as he's saying, is because I wanted, I wanted the church, I wanted the church in Philippi to do well. Um, and, if you you know, we also looked at the last few weeks in Hebrews 13, Verse 17, which speaks of this same dynamic where it says, uh, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. There's that, that knitting. That, uh, but I am, I am uh, intrigued by Moses. Let's go back to him. When it went well between him and the people, he was happy to lead. When it didn't go well, he called them God's people. He look at your people, God, you know god helped us to 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 walk in step with god so that uh, there's this unity that really flows and enhances what jesus knew was absolutely vital for the church to be healthy going forward so the first point i'm making in terms of moral recovery is a right attitude in terms of leadership and people so that's a, 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 a an attitude of gratitude is where this begins to come in it's so so wonderful um the second thing pick up verse 7 through 8 do not be deceived God cannot be mocked a man reaps what he sows and if you sow to the sinful nature from that nature reap uh, destruction there are consequences and the one who sows to please the the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life sowing and reaping is clear in scripture 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 expound on that significantly um and it's it's a it's like the law of gra- of gravity. We, you know, whether you believe in it or not, it's going to work. You jump off the table, you'll fall down, not up. It's just it's how God has got it, and He's He's put in place a principle of sowing and reaping for us to exercise here. And if you read the Ephesians five passage, where God also, where, where, where God through uh, uh, Paul is addressing the church, and and what will make for a healthy church, um, and in especially as we grapple with how to bring forth fruits of righteousness, not unrighteousness. He says in verse 10, I love this verse, in the middle of that, he says, find out what pleases the Lord. Let the Spirit lead you. It's not just the application of principle. It's a, it's the leading of the Spirit. Find out what pleases the Lord. Um, that's in Ephesians 5, 10. And it's repeated a little later in that same chapter, uh, Find out what pleases the Lord. Seek His will. Know His will, because that's where we need to land. And His will is, 1 Peter 4, 8 says, His will is that love. Love each other deeply from the heart, because He uh, says love covers a multitude of sins. We take no joy in and, and, and disclosure of sin, but we want to be celebrating the Savior more than the sin, if, that's, if that makes sense to you. It's so important for us to, to, to know that our, our God has not changed. And the the grace the and the and the hope that he gives us is consistently the same. One of the, one of the statements of of a man that has been used by God to disciple many many people in, in our thought process is a guy called Dallas Willard. How many of you ever read any, or heard of Dallas Willard? Huh? Yeah. And he says that a char- he said he's passed on. Now, character is the sum of all the choices we have been making. We become the product of the choices we make. So what we choose to sow, we will reap. Huh? And if we want a different harvest, let's find the seeds that will lead us to that harvest. We can't sow one thing and hope to reap another. What we sow, we will reap. And on this score, of course, it comes down to the habits of our lives. Because, you know, if you sow a, a thought, you reap an act. If you sow an act, you reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you reap a lifestyle. If you sow a lifestyle, you reap an eternal destiny because that's the outcome of what you sow so in the beginning. But it all starts with, as a man thinks, so is he. So I'll put out a caution for any of us, if we think with greed, if we think with abuse of power, as often happens in nations like ours, in political circles in particular, and uh, SOEs, if we think uh, in terms of personal benefic- benefits uh, without due regard to integrity, then we will suffer. If we think uh, with pornography and immorality, then we will result, have the result of that coming at us as well. Sowing and reaping is so important. You can't say, I just, it just happened. Actually, as Dallas says, a character, which is expressed in the way we've lived and things we do, is the sum of all the choices we've been making. And that's why we can land on this verse, verse 5, each one should carry his own load. We have to re-examine the choices we've been making. Some of us with workaholism, huh? some of our pursuit of different things that ultimately are destructive for us, destructive for our relationships. Um, and we have to think, are these good seeds? If, if everybody did this, would, would the world be better off or be worse off? Is this a good seed or is this destructive? Very important second factor here. Um, and the last one is in verse 9 through 10. Uh, Let us not become wary in doing good. There's a patience factor in this process of changing. Let us not become weary for at the proper time, at the proper time, when in God's timing, eh, in God's timing, um, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Uh, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. There's this factor of resilience and of patience and of waiting for God's timing and things. And when it comes to... uh, the shaping of our lives and our characters. You know, God's not in a hurry. Eh? Have you found that out? Eh? He works slowly. I mean, look at Israel. Eh? 40 years, Moses, 40 years, and then 40 years in the desert, and then uh, 40 years eh? just taking the people through the lessons that he was, he'd learned some of, and he was learning along with them. Uh, resilience, such a powerful thing. And In fact, if, when Jesus sends letters to seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, the letters that he sent by Revelation to John, And John wrote that whole thing down from Revelation 1 to 22 was a revelation of Jesus. So this is his heart. Every one of the seven letters ends with he who overcomes. He who overcomes. I will bless him this way or that way. There will be a result of your overcoming, a result of your resilience. And so that's a phenomenal thing. If we are patient in the processing and we don't get impatient and run away from it, uh, we might find that God does something so different. So much so that we, many of us have discovered the power of what's sometimes called dirty glory. That we, we carry blessing to others. Uh, the glory of God's presence through the brokenness of our own journeys. As we've grappled with our failings and, and faults. As we grapple with that well and honestly and patiently. We come out at a place where others say, you know, I'm so glad you went through this, because I'm learning so much by just reading your life. We inspire each other through slow process. But it does require us to put being and belonging before our doing. Because our world, oh, let's, let's face it, when we greet each other and say, how are you doing? We so often easily ask, we actually probably imply more than this, but how are you performing, okay? And, and actually, our performance, our, our achievements, our accomplishments don't validate us, who we are. Uh, I don't think, if I can be honest with you guys, say, well, I'm trying to be honest all the time, but uh, <laughs> my, if I can be vulnerably honest, uh, the, the turning point in my life was when I stood on the banks of the Tennessee River and God said, put your hand in and stop this river, and it didn't stop. And he said, so you can't stop me loving you. What a moment for me, the revelation of his sovereign love that was a, a determining factor. And I took at least 12 years following that, and I journaled five books full of the implications of what I saw at the Tennessee River as it impacted my life and began to change my very mindset, and, and so much about my life was transformed from a particular seed of a revelation of God's sovereign love. My being was transformed. And and it leaned into some of the some of the ways and I'm still unpacking more of that of how I belong, how I relate. It flowed out of that. And of course when that's in good place too, we can bring dirty glory to others and others find God in the brokenness of our own histories. If that makes sense to you. Is this making sense to anybody in the house sir? God help us to get it right. Resilience, resilience. 1 John two nineteen. it's interesting scripture. He says they were with us, but then they went out from us, thereby showing that they were never of us, never belonged to us. It's interesting. Our willingness to be resilient in the pursuit of healing in community, in all its rough and tumble, and not to become refugees on the run from the things and the people and the engagements that could help us. These grow us up. I don't know why some people are given and some of you sitting right here in front of me are given such a hard set of of um, pieces to work with in putting a puzzle of your life together some people seem to have a much harder puzzle to work with than others eh? you seen that eh? I mean I really do I think God my great Danes are difficult to have but thank you for them You know, I've seen some people with other kinds of dogs you know <laughs> you know what I'm saying and you can translate that into other kinds of family members and spouses and children and circumstances and jobs. and uh, Joan Erikson-Todd, I've mentioned many times, what an inspiring woman paralyzed at the age of 17 in a diving accident, and she says, I have become this rich resource to others because of what I went through. Huh? Not in spite of it, but because of it. Sometimes those who suffer the most grow the best character. Huh? The wine. Of God's working in our lives is sweetest for those who are prepared to submit to its processes with resilience. We won't become refugees from our own challenges that would otherwise grow us up. So just swing over to the other applications, Paul in Galatians 6 is also talking about money. And he is saying there are priorities for our giving. First is make sure that you affirm leadership. Number one, verse six. And then verse nine and ten, he affirms two other priorities. Secondly, is the household of faith. Make sure we support each other in community. And then he says, and to all men as you have opportunity. That's the wider world. So just be sure we walk in the intricacies of that level of unity with each other in core community, led, in, led by, by leaders that we're learning to trust and to love, and, and allow them to make mistakes. I spend much of my time in, in prayer saying, Lord, forgive me for that. I, I said some dumb things. Would you help me cover people's ears? <laughs> help them forget what I said. You know what I'm saying? And other things I said, Lord, carve that in their souls. Never let them forget this thing. I was telling somebody this week, uh, when I went to varsity, uh, just do theology, and uh, my first year, I'd pay my own way in my first year. That's how I was tested. Are you really called to this thing? And I I had no support but to carry myself through that year. And uh, so I I entered competitions. I entered a a competition to write a a sermon, a message, about uh, Romans 14. Have you ever read Romans 14? Those who can drink wine shouldn't flaunt their freedom to drink wine with those who can't. Or those who can eat meat shouldn't boast about it for the the vegetarians. I mean, you can pray for them, but don't... (laughs) And I wrote, I wrote a message of Romans 14 about for the weakness of others. Eh? So my liberty ends where your bondage begins. I, I won. This is back in 1976. I won a hundred rand for that uh, for that sermon for that written sermon. Hundred rand. It paid for my books for the year. You won't believe that either. I bought all my books for the hundred rand. Can you students believe that? It was a long time ago. But uh, the point I make is. Uh, we can engage with things that make us vulnerable, and, and alcohol is certainly one of those things. You don't intend to land where you're landing, but but you've used the wrong fuel to get there. And you can't minimize it, as I said earlier on. Don't minimize the things that lean towards um, destructive seed, because what we sow, we will reap. So important, eh? So I kind of urge you on this point, because we we're saying our second point of giving is making sure we we share our liberty with others in a way that blesses them and doesn't lead them astray. If you are free to drink alcohol, please don't lead your brother or sister into bondage with the gods to that. And the scripture is very clear. The the scripture does not outlaw alcohol. I mean, Jesus turned the water into wine, so we understand that. So I know he was actually a vineyard pastor, but (coughs) I'm only kidding. I'm I'm by and large a tea and I was in the early years of the vineyard leadership, I was uh, considered the, the driver because I was the one who could be trusted to drive at the end of the evening, if you can read between what I'm saying. Anyway, um, and those are challenging times. Colleen and I have had to work quite hard at at implementing a Romans 14 approach. But the the reality is um, that when we exercise this, we bring people into freedom, because our freedom becomes their privilege also, to walk in freedom. We're not attached to the things that we are free to exercise, because we are more free to exercise love for our brother and our sister. It's so important that we don't uh, lead them into any form of compromise and bondage. The scripture is very clear about two absolutes drunkenness is out of the question because the fruit of the spirit is self control. And when you do anything that takes away your self control, uh, you've compromised your faith. If you get drunk, and we're going to have a a moment just now to pray for all people who've been drunk in a few moments. (laughs) Can I get out of here? Somebody locked the doors. I just thought, how many turned around to check if the doors are locked, eh? And the other thing is addiction. We should not be mastered by anything. Scripture is very clear about that as well. Nothing. Not even chocolate. Coffee. I many of you are looking for those doors now, eh? Or work. Eh? Money. So many things we can be addicted to, so many things. Scripture is very clear. We need to be resilient in this matter. Make sure we're prioritizing our unity, expressing our, the leadership and our flow together. Secondly, our community life where we belong, and your pain becomes my pain. And my freedom becomes your freedom, and, uh, and we engage with... Uh, um, the image of the church being the body of Christ, where every member is necessary, and we feel what others feel. How many of you ever had a sore toe, and it's affected everything about your life that day? Eh? You know what I'm saying? It's just a toe, man. Take it off. You can't do that, eh? And of course, uh, the last one was to the world. As we have opportunity, the needs around us are abounding, and I, I am. I've been, I been. I've got up this morning and had a quiet time, Actually, literally today from 3 to 4, saying, Lord, help me to work this out before you. And uh, I really felt like the Lord's hastened and, 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 and multiplied in me my passion for us to be a body of people who live out this new humanity that loves Jesus. Not our church program, but loves Jesus. Okay? I want to tell you, Colleen and I are going to go and visit a family that were attacked about a week ago up in the area on a farm. We spent time with them during this week as well. They were brutally attacked by cops, pseudo cops, and it was horrible. And uh, they're going through great trauma. We're going back out this afternoon to, to see them and uh, listening to them. And But this is the point. She said the thing as the cops are leading around from room to room and asking for, uh, where's this, where's that, in, in a very abusive uh, intimidation with a gun to the head. Uh, she just kept saying, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And this brute man, I wouldn't call him a man. Let's call, just call him a brute, um, said to today you will be safe. Because you heard this repeated thanks for Jesus. Eh? He, will he will save you. Thanks, God. He will save you. Today you will be safe. Today he will save you. So she knew in that moment that Jesus was with her. And she was just thanking him, thanking him. I mean, the trauma of that, eh? We live in such a broken time in South Africa. Such a broken time. We need a body of people who stand together. And when we stumble, we help each other get up again, man. And we go on and we run this thing. We're going to do that, church. I want a body of people who who say, no matter how we stumble, we will be there. Galatians 6.1, restoring gently as best we know how. And we will say, Lord, help us to to learn what you want. Ephesians 5.10, learn what the Lord wants. It's a great verse. Learn what he wants. What's his will in this place? It's not about applying the law like the Pharisees in Romans in John 8, Torah versus Roman law. But what is what is Jesus saying? And everything Jesus does is the gospel doing it. Jesus is the gospel on legs. So <clears throat> it's enough actually. Why don't you stand with me? Uh, Declan, why don't you and your band come up here, man? Bring your whole band up here. I'd love to see. We must end on high praise. I love the song That song choice this morning. It was amazing. Hey, give Dicklin a hand, guys. What a great <laughs> set this morning. <laughs> hey, guys, uh, and Caitlin, when you struck up that first song that you sang, man, the angels are here. Eh? Thank you so much, eh? Amazing. Yeah. pray for people today as we just listen to this spirit in, in what's being declared in so many different ways being prophetic words and revelations that have come from individuals and we just want to bring it together there's some of you who are leading maybe you're leading a family or leading a business or leading a cell group or a disruption group in some form of leadership you need to be strengthened in grace paul says to timothy be strong as a leader be strong in grace be strong in grace If you're in leadership in anything at all, would you raise your hand for me right now, wherever you are? Just keep it up. I want to pray especially on you if you lead anything at all. Others look to you for leadership. Lord, we pray every hand raised. Would you come, Lord? Would you empower them to be courageous because of grace? And when they falter and they fall and they fumble and they make mistakes, Lord, give them the the privilege of humility so that your grace can increase because you give grace to the humble. Would you do that, Lord? Bless these men and women. <clears throat> and Whatever they lead and whoever is led by them, we pray for unprecedented favor <clears throat> in the realm of their leadership. Would you bless them, Lord? <clears throat> unprecedented favor, breakthrough, wisdom. Give them wisdom, discernment. Help us to lead with discernment. And, Lord, help us to be, those of us whose hands are not raised, help us be kind to one another and kind to those whose hands are raised. Leadership can be tough. It's tall trees that catch the wind. We pray, Lord, for the roots of the relation with you to be deepened so the tree will not falter when the wind blows. Help us, Lord, to love each other, to be there for each other. And some who are not with us today, Lord, we pray that your mercy and your grace would cover them and may Fountain Vineyard be a place that speaks and demonstrates this new humanity. bless every one of you leaders in Jesus name every one of you we bless you I want you to go out of this place today expectant of a new day a new fruitfulness in your leadership that you carry Jesus says the words that I speak are spirit and life may you be able to say that to you the words that I speak and actions that I bring are a spirit and life to others may God help you with that spirit and life where the spirit of the Lord is there's liberty may people come into freedom because you walked in the room people come to liberty because of this. you've walked in the room and you carry the spirit with you I want to pray especially today for those who, who are struck by that scripture, learn what pleases the Lord and you, you don't quite know how to apply that in some particular situation, maybe in a particular circumstance of your life or set of relationships or something that's going on and you'd like people to stand with you in prayer because we, do, we discern better together the multitude of counselors, there's safety and if you have come into a place of disturbance, confusion struggle in this process of discernment, I want you while we, we're going to sing, a, I hope you're going to sing a strong praise song, we end on high praise today one of those great songs we sang earlier, you guys can choose one, I, I want you while we sing it, would you come up and if anyone's stepping forward, would somebody else come and just stand with them, no one comes alone we do this together, eh? can we do that? We're going to sing a praise song. And if you know you need you need extra engagement in learning to discern about a particular application of the gospel in this new creation that you're part of, that you're seeking to live into. While we sing that song, just come up and let's have people come and pray with you. Amen. Thanks, Declan. Take it away. Free of an addiction of some kind, some kind of practice or habit in your life. We want to pray for deliverance here. You know, the Bible says those who believe will cast out demons. We'd like to be, Colin and I were involved with Joe this last week, two weeks, and, and saw someone ma- amazingly delivered from demonic interference in their minds. We'd love to help people come, find that kind of freedom. So if you want freedom today and you don't, you know you're not living in the freedom of the gospel, and you don't know Jesus, we invite you to stay around and come to the front area. We'll have some leaders here or some of the intercessors here to pray with you. Make sure that you have invitation to get to know Jesus, be born again, and be delivered of all the oppressive stuff that keeps us locked down. And then also just remind you that we're having our Connect lunch today. So if you're new amongst us, you want to join us for lunch, uh, we'll love to introduce you to why we do what we do and help you to find God's call in your life for church as well. So Father, I pray for every one of us that your supernatural peace will be upon us as we pursue you. Be upon those that are not here, Lord, those that are at home and maybe listening online or uh, struggling with something right now. We pray for mercy and grace upon all of us that this new creation for which we yearn can increasingly become evident. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. You're going to enjoy some fellowship together. If you'd like prayer for any particular healing as well, come up front here. We've got guys that will pray for you as well. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here today.